I'm Al John Go, podcaster and producer of the Disney List, Skull Rock Podcast, and Dining at Disney. When you're creating content, podcasts, webcasting, live streaming, or wanting to step up your video conference calls, you need quality gear and accessories. That's why I use Gator Frameworks in my studio. From professional broadcast boom arms and microphone stands, studio monitor speaker stands, ring light kits, headphone holders, elite furniture studio desks, and acoustic wall treatments, Gator Frameworks has you covered. Gator is the leading brand of cases, stands, and support system solutions for music, pro AV, creative pro, IT, and general utility industries. They have over 1,000 different solutions made from vacuum-formed plastics, rational molded plastics, wood, sewn, and EVA materials. Leveraging their expertise in case design and manufacturing, Gator has a complete OEM division that works with leading companies around the world to engineer and create custom cases for original equipment manufacturers. For more information, visit Gator Frame works.com product provided in exchange for promotional consideration i'm kristen hetzel co-host of dining at disney podcast every week i chat about dining at disneyland and walt disney world resort and disney cruise line with my fellow foodie bubba we also feature restaurants and food reviews information to help you plan your dining Disney food news, recipes, and a monthly panel discussion. Visit DiningAtDisney.com and subscribe to Dining at Disney Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. Dining at Disney Podcast, the happiest plate on earth. Welcome back, gang, to the Disney List. I'm Al John. Of course, with me is Kristen. Before we get into our show topics for today... We've got some awesome travel deals for you, as always, from Kristen here at ThemeParksAndCruises at gmail.com. Kristen, tell them how you can save more money this time out. Well, right now, Disney has some really good deals going on. Uh, if you're interested in visiting Aulani, which is over in Hawaii, they have a great deal going on right now that you, if you book five or more nights, you'll actually save up to 30% off. And if it's uh, a four-night stay, you'll save 25% off. Nice. Um, and the offer is good for most nights beginning August 23rd through November 18th and as well as November 26th through December 22nd. Outstanding. Outstanding. And then... And then if you are interested in Walt Disney World and enjoying the 50th anniversary celebration going on right now, and you are a Disney Plus subscriber, you can save up to 25% off on select Disney Resort Hotels. And this is going to be for most nights, July 8th through September 30th. Uh, there is special procedures that you're going to have to do in order to take advantage of this. Um, you have to be a Disney Plus subscriber and be able to uh, prove that. So you can't just say you are and not be one to get the deal. Um, it's got to be like the name on the account has to match up and yada, yada, yada. So got to uh, do it. And then if you're interested in Disneyland, you can uh, save on most Sunday through Thursday night stays uh, from now through June 9th. At the Disney's Grand Californian, you can save up to 25% off. At Disneyland Hotel, up to 20% off. And then up to 10% off at Paradise Pier Hotel. Nice. And that you have to book now through June 6th. All right. For more details on how you can save time and money and navigate through the entire universe, you actually, you don't even have to navigate through it. Kristen will do it for you. Uh, where can people get their free quote and help you get them started on their great next Disney Universal or any type of cruise line vacation under the sun? Where can they email you and get in touch with you? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. Production of the Sorcerer Radio Network. Imagination, huh? Are you guys ready? Are you ready? From the Gator Framework Studio in Music City, it's the Disney List. The Disney List. Disney fans Kristen Hetzel and Al John Go bring you top 10 lists from the Disney parks, films, Star Wars, Marvel, news, travel tips, and more. Now prepare yourself for the Disney List. Welcome back to the Disney List, wherever you find podcasts. Every week, 
Kristen and myself, we count down top 10 list from some of your favorite Disney franchises, the Disney Parks, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm slash Star Wars. We also talk about all the Disney films, Pixar, Muppets, and so much more. I am your co-host, Al John Go. I'm a musician, podcaster, lifelong Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan, joined by... I am Kristen, a travel expert as well as a Disney fan who loves the parks. Awesome. And is a Disney foodie. Oh, yes. From DiningAtDisney.com. I'm a, I'm a foodie in general. I just, I love food. I love cooking. <laughs> so what's better put, than putting Disney and food together? I love it. Check out DiningAtDisney.com. You can also check out our sister podcast, by the way, making a little plug of uh, Skull Rock Podcast with me and fellow Disney fan. He's not just a Disney fan. He is a Disney guy, right? Former creative uh, director of special projects, Dave Bossert, award-winning author and animator, filmmaker, Skull Rock Podcast. Thank you for that. Yay. Cha-ching. Little, <laughs> little plug-ola there for you. Anyway, uh, every week we just have fun talking about these lists and discussing these type of things, as well as sharing our notes and news of the week. And this week, we have a very timely top 10, because a lot of people don't know exactly what this is and why it's important. But Kristen, you want to tell everybody what we're talking about? The top 10 things you didn't know about Reedy Creek Improvement District. What is that exactly? That is Walt Disney World. <laughs> it that is, is the Walt line. Disney World that is, Resort. That is the land that the resort sits on. It is its own special district. You know, like the District of Columbia. It's its own little district. Um, but anyway, we will talk about that and some interesting facts you may not know about. But before we get into all of that, once again, we encourage everybody to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us at thedisneylist at gmail.com. If you've got any questions about the show or topics you want us to talk about, we had some awesome shows over the past week. You know, our top 10 on Space Mountain was pretty killer. It's one of our favorite attractions, and I'm sure over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite attractions. Uh, they're at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, if you will. But for now, we have some awesome news of the week. Marvel Studios kicking butt with all these trailers over the past week. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? A lot We've of trailers. Got a brand new trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Take a listen. I always suspected this day would come. Because you always suspected this day would come. I'm ready. On May 6th. Nothing can prepare you. Descent into madness. This is the only way. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Rated PG-13. Seed in premium large formats in IMAX. I am so looking forward to this movie. I am thinking we will have to go to the drive-in. Uh, yeah, we'll bring the kitties. They'll fall because asleep. we have not seen a movie in a theater since 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we attempted to, but uh, that's uh, not happening. They just released a brand new trailer, and once again, April, just a few days ago, uh, April 18, when they released the brand new uh, trailer, I think, in IMAX, and it hits theaters May 6th, y'all. May 6th is when it's going to be dropping on you, and I always thought that maybe Marvel Studios, in its quest to, uh, I mean, it's hard to top Avengers Infinity War slash Endgame. That was so huge. The culmination of all this, you know, 10 years of filmmaking for them since Iron Man 1. That's going to be super hard to top. And then No Way Home came out. Spider-Man No Way, or was it... Uh, was it No Way Home? No Way, yeah, Spider-Man. The last Spider-Man film. Uh, I always forget because it's always home something. It's like homecoming, <laughs> far from home, No Way Home. Yeah, it was No Way Home. Okay, so we got that. And people just went ape over it. It was it was legit, but there was a reason why. I mean, it was really good. And then you have this right here, which is probably also going to break theaters and break records around the globe. 
Uh, at least it's it's aimed to do that. But as they get bigger and bigger, do you think some of the the more casual fans of Marvel films will kind of go like, what is all this multiverse stuff all about? Is it just crazy? Or do you think they'll they'll be able to understand like as a standalone film? I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job of just making standalone films. Like you don't even have to know anything about it. You just go and you're like, whoa, this is pretty cool, right? Oh, I agree. I think, however, that you understand what's going on a lot more if you've watched the other movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll you catch these little bits that would mean nothing to you if you hadn't seen a previous film. Yes, absolutely. I think it's I think it's uh, uh, pretty cool. You know, all that said, what I love about this is that there's a horror element uh, about this film, uh, which is really neat. So having said that, I think what we're going to do is go to a quick little interview snippet with Sam Raimi and, you know, uh, longtime listeners of the podcast understand that Chris and I are huge horror movie fans and we love Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi since I was a kid because of evil dead and evil dead's amazing. But from, you know, there he's done a bunch of horror films, Kristen, you've seen a bunch of them that you really like as well. So let's go to Sam Raimi now talking about, uh, his contributions as director of Dr. Strange multiverse. of Badness. I call from my agent saying that Kevin Feige and the Marvel team were looking for a director for the new Doctor Strange movie. And I was a big fan of the first one. It was really intelligent and interesting. So when that offer came in, I thought, this would be a really good challenge. Ready to go. Sam is such a lovely human being. And that was Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way. Obviously, his standing in this industry and this genre in particular is legendary as it should be. Yeah, legendary. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the horror elements because... Marvel has done such a great job of doing the heist film, which was, uh, you know, Endgame, right? Or Ant-Man as a, you know, kind of a comedy or the type of, um, oh, I don't know, buddy film like uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier and these different things that they do taking genres or the spy thriller of uh, the Winter Soldier or something like Black Widow taking genres and marvelizing them, if you will. So I can't wait to see their take on something like horror because we just haven't seen it in, in, in Marvel before. I feel like Marvel movies for the most part are uh, like, like fusion cuisine, fusion cuisine, you know, you have it's because pretty much all of them are action movies. But yeah. then you also have other elements, like you said, comedy and horror and, yeah. you know, like that Guardians kind of, of stuff. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is like an ensemble comedy uh, kind of kind of film because of those dramatic elements. Um, very much like Star Wars, it has, you know, that ensemble of like everybody's cracking jokes on each other, like, like Han and Chewie and Leia and C-3PO always did with Luke and... That's just the way it is. Telling the story was such a gigantic endeavor, and there's a lot of dimensionalized visuals that we use in telling that story. We shot it with an eye toward that, so I think it's going to be a very exciting experience to go to 3D. Now, that's what I would love. I would love for us. I know that we're going to go see it with the kids and do the drive-in theater thing that we always used to do pre-pandemic, but uh, I would love to see it in IMAX 3D. (laughs) This film looks like it's totally awesome. Another thing that happened, I guess there's more footage servicing about Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, Well, anyway, before I wrap up, I'll just go ahead and say this once again. You can get your tickets there only in theaters for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for Marvel Studios, May 6th. So uh, be sure to check that out. The other thing, too, is uh, Thor's Love and Thunder more and more being released regarding this trailer that was hit up uh, also around the same time. I think once again, it's going to be the summer of Marvel. It's going to be insane, and Love and Thunder looks really good. Did uh, I, did we talk? I think we talked a little bit about this last week. But uh, what do you think about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer? I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not sure yet. You're not sure yet. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. No. Okay. Um, 
I wanted to kind of get your reaction. And in fact, uh, this this past week, or you'll hear it this week, uh, Dave Bossard and myself talk about it and his first reaction there on Skull Rock Podcast because he hadn't seen it until I showed it to him. And he really, really liked it. You know, I mean, that sweet child of mine just tells you, hey, look, man, we're going to have this awesome soundtrack because Thor loves, uh, you know, this retro music, loves rock. So, and that's going to be great. So we're looking forward to that. The other thing that'll be coming to a close relatively soon is another Marvel Studios project. We're talking a lot about Marvel today is uh, Moon Knight. What it's been like for you. I had her under control until very recently. Now on Disney Plus. Don't miss. Steven, what did you do? The global phenomenon. We have a deal. No secrets between us. I wish I could. Marvel Studios Moon Knight. New episode streaming Wednesdays. Only on Disney+. Plus. So it's ramping up. It's going to be coming to a close really soon. I think uh, the season finale is uh, going to be taking place, what, uh, uh, this week? And uh, in the middle of next. So we have a couple, couple more episodes left of this and it looks like it's been ramping up what are your thoughts on moon knight and how it's shaping up this thus far i think it's very interesting so far yeah. i'm i'm not sure where it's gonna go uh-huh uh-huh yeah there's a lot of intrigue in this but i think a lot of people this has touched a lot of people in ways that they weren't expecting especially for casual fans who just loved it it's like you may not have loved a lot of the marvel stuff thus far but then you watch this and it's different and it's got a great vibe to it. And I think a lot of that is the performances from Oscar Isaac and e- Ethan um, Hawk. Oh, Ethan Hawk, man. Thank you very much. But once again, uh, be on the lookout for more episodes. Uh, as the studio comes to a close, I believe next week or the following week, there for Disney Plus's Moon Knight for Marvel Studios. Well, speaking of which, uh, we do have the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Speaking of Disney Plus, that's a little bit of a segue. Uh, that uh, is going to be dropping on May 27th. Can you believe it? I know. I mean, I cannot believe it. Month it, away. It, yeah, we, I, I know. It's going to be amazing. But uh, it is going to be great to see Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ewan McGregor come back to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. But this is a first for the franchise because not only is John Williams coming back to do the music, but we also have another composer who is going to be making her debut. The first woman ever to score a live-action Star Wars project is Natalie Holt. And Mm. uh, she collaborated with John Williams on the music for Obi-Wan Kenobi. In the interview, Holt spoke about how she was already a huge Star Wars fan. That's awesome. I like that. So score one for her, uh, who approached the work of legendary Star Wars uh, composer John Williams from an early age. Her process for scoring for Obi-Wan Kenobi started with a two-day marathon of watching footage from the series that wasn't even fully cut together. In partnership with Williams, Holt says, quote, in Entertainment Magazine, she says, uh, just spent some time together, talked about the journeys of the characters and what needed to happen. After that, she spoke trying to come up with the themes that were more catchy. I had some time to integrate uh, what theme should be for each character and then bring them to life. You know, and that's exactly what John Williams would do. I think John Williams not only is a great composer, but all the different themes as characters enter a frame always has their theme kind of embedded into the actual music. So, you know, when they're talking about Yoda, all of a sudden Yoda's kind of soaring melody kind of comes up or when Luke comes in, you always hear that, that uh, Luke Skywalker theme from star Wars kind of come through and you hear that in the Mandalorian and now you're going to hear it in Obi-Wan. So congratulations for her on scoring what is possibly uh, probably the biggest gig of her life doing yeah. that. So congratulations. Speaking of Ewan, he's confirmed to appear at Celebration. I heard that. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell everybody about what he's going to be doing? Uh, fans will have the opportunity to meet him for photo ops and autographs. Uh, fans who want some of the one of a... Uh, one-on-one time with him, you can book a photo opt and an autograph for the cost of two ninety nine each. Not cheap. No. No. <laughs> it's very expensive. It is very expensive for sure, but well worth it. Um, if you like Ewan McGregor. If you love Ewan McGregor, that's true. Because And once again, that is 
you can basically you're going to shake his hand. You're going to have your picture taken or you can shake his hand and you're going to have your autograph. So you have to choose which one or pay for multiple dates or times to have him do it. So hmm. that's that's what it's going to cost you. But you know what? These A-list celebrities, that's what they charge. Also, along with that, uh, joining McGregor is going to be um, – different actors from the Star Wars franchise, like Carl Weathers from The Mandalorian, uh, Katie Sackhoff, who plays Bo-Katan, Billy Lord uh, from the uh, sequel uh, series, and Kelly Marie Tran, Rose uh, Tico uh, from the sequel trilogy, also going to be making appearances there, along with a bunch of other actors and actresses from the uh, from the saga films, if you will. So there are still limited uh, tickets available. You can go check that out over there at StarWarsCelebration.com, May 26th through the 29th, just a few days away, uh, right before the debut of Obi-Wan on May 27th. Mm-hmm. Yes. How about this, Kristen? This is a, you were telling me about this the other day, about this. Yes, Connections Cafe and Eatery is having its soft opening. What do you think about this? Um, it's going to be, I want to, I can't wait to see it. Yeah? Yes. I'm all, I was not a fan of Electric Umbrella. Mm-hmm. It just was dated and the food was, you know, your typical amusement park type food with occasionally some twists on the menu, like when they had a black bean burger and it was disgusting. I mean, they just, <laughs> the food was, was <sighs> subpar at the location. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see something new coming in. Yeah. Um, no more, you know, Starbucks, you won't have the same Starbucks location. Um, it's very contemporary looking mm-hmm. a lot of, it kind of makes me think of, um, oh, what is that called? Uh, Sunshine Seasons? No, I'm trying to think of the, no, the decor style. It's open concept. No, that's not what I'm looking for either. Oh. Um, What is the the type of furniture you like? The modern, what's it called? Art art Deco? Mid-century modern. modern. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it has that kind of look to it. Yeah, it's mid-century modern. They're using the wood panels on the ceilings. They've got um, the kind of tapered chair you know, legs on the chairs, uh, those kind of mid-century modern details. But I think they have an amazing mural. I think that reminds me of Living with the Land. It's very much mm-hmm. kind of in that Epcot style, if you will. Uh, very clean, open concept look. Bright. And a lot of windows because that lets... Bold the, colors. Bold colors, but still very uh, still very clean and white, neutral. So there's pops of color in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a very contemporary look. And I'm not saying contemporary as in contemporary resort, although, you know, there are shades of that. It's just a, a lot of people think that this type of architecture and this art style is void of any kind of theming. And I just think it just looks modern. It just is modern kind of restaurant look to it. I mean, have you seen like what Wendy's uh, restaurants looked like, uh, you know, prior to, five, six years ago. <laughs> Wendy's restaurants or Taco Bell's for that matter. I mean, oh, all the Taco Bell, they're redoing the, the Taco Bell's. They're redoing so many of these restaurants to have a nice open form concept where you can look inside and you can see how the food is prepared and, and all this. So it looks really cool, you know, so give it a look when you're there at Epcot, check out the soft opening of Connections Cafe and Eatery and let us know, tag us in a post and let us know how the food is. You know, uh, also undergoing a soft opening uh, from my uh, from what we've read is the Guardians of the Galaxy coaster. Speaking of Epcot, and the Zach Ridley over there, Imagineer over there at Epcot, says how gorgeous this attraction will look at night, and boy, does it look neat! It looks super neat. A lot of those colors, the purples, oranges, and reds, and those hues of of the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming forth there, especially. Uh, juxtaposed with the monorail and the and Spaceship Earth in the background. It looks very futuristic. It looks really great. So here's what Zach Ridley says. Today, or tonight, we're excited to debut our exterior lighting for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Yeah, pretty neat. And it says that uh, we want to ensure that people of Xandar have a suitable beacon for the message of peace and cooperation that they've brought to our park. The lighting design reinforces the layering of space scale that we've focused on as we've developed our exterior 
architecture, finishes, and color palette. We had such an amazing starting point from the pre-existing universe of energy building, and we looked for every opportunity to preserve the, the extent of many strong points of that facade. So pretty neat. It supports the Nova Core. The Star Blaster in front of the courtyard is an iconic centerpiece of the design, and its programming is intended to allow Xandarians to play among the vibrant skyline of our new vision for Epcot. We hope you enjoy this new look. Well, I do. I think it's amazing. What do you think, Kristen? I am looking forward to when we go later this year of seeing all these these changes that have occurred. Look at how pretty that spaceship is right there. looks really, really nice. And the, the detailing of the spaceship looks great. I love it when they can bring these life-size, you know, kind of props um, to life there in, in this and make it look like it's something that you that's tangible. Speaking of life-size props, did you see this? Ant-Man's new prop over there preserves a piece of Disney history at Avengers Campus. Did you want to? No, they did yes, not. Yes, they did. Check this out. Did you go ahead? What? Guess what uh, Ant-Man is holding in his hand when he sees you. Oh, my gosh. He is holding the Heim, Heimlich attraction <laughs> car. Isn't it cool? What? Yes, that How, is that, a mini I mean, that is so cool. He's got the mini version of the attraction. Yeah, he's uh, there is a mini version of Bugs Land that Ant-Man is using, letting the land live on in our memory. Ant-Man apparently used his PIM card particles to shrink it down and instead placed it under a dome for preservation. So you can still Aww. see Flix Flyers, Francis's Ladybug Boogie, the Tuck and Rolls Drive'em Buggies, and Heimlich's Choo Choo Train uh, running. So how cool is that? I love these hidden details they put in there. And they even have the four-leaf clover. So uh, I really, really am a fan of what they did there. Um, and that's great that Ant-Man is showing it off to all the people. It's like, look at what we preserved. So right? cool. Yeah. So next time you're at Avengers Campus, be sure to check out A Bug's Land. If Ant-Man has it on him, he should. I hope he does. Uh, be sure to tag us in your photos when you see him. Another thing that uh, I believe Kat has told us and, and Bubba is that uh, our Bubba is going to be checking out World of Color returning to Disneyland soon. Um, so that is really cool. So be sure to check that out. Showings of the World of Color are going to be happening at 9 to 1025 p.m. 9 and. Oh, 9 and. 9 and. Uh, 9, 9 yeah. p.m. and 1025 p.m. Yeah, so the two showings. Thank you for that. So be sure to use the Disneyland app and search for the world of color because you'll be able to join a virtual queue for the seating. So be sure to do that as well. Last but not least, it looks like the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular, long in the tooth, uh, has been editing its show because there's something wrong with the plane. So it's been cut <laughs> short. The plane isn't working apparently. And now you just have a Jeep flipping over rather than the plane explosion. So, uh, yeah. Hey, Disney, I think it's time to replace this. I think it's time. Anyway, uh, if you have any news, be sure to tag us and hit us up over social media you want us to cover. We do appreciate it. That is all the news you need to know this time out. And now it's time. It's the Disney List. Top 10. 10. The Reedy Creek Improvement District. Boy, is that a hot topic? Is that a hot topic? Disney has been making the news so much in the past year. It's crazy. Not in a good way. (laughs) Not in a good way. But we decided to do a show. Uh, Kristen said, hey, why don't we do a show about the Reedy Creek Improvement District? And I said, I don't know if I can come up with a top 10 list about it. But I did. I helped put one together. And here are some things, the top 10 things you may not know about the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And Kristen, if you'd like to take a shot at it, you've got first dibs. Okay. Why don't you tell us about... The name, where does the name Reedy Creek come from? Reedy Creek is a natural waterway that uh, with flow, drainage, and destination have been altered over the years by man. Uh, 
It begins west of Bay Lake City Limits and the Magic Kingdom, and then it goes through south through Disney's property, passing between the Animal Kingdom and Blizzard Beach. It goes across Interstate 4 and exits Disney property on the uh, west side of Celebration and runs mostly through undeveloped territory east of Haines City. And it empties into Lake Russell and continues flowing southward into Cypress Lake, which is connecting to Kissimmee uh, chain of lakes. There you go. Now, what exactly is it? The Reedy Creek Improvement District is pretty, pretty huge. Number nine. There you go. Number nine fact. Um, It is the governing jurisdiction and special taxing district for the Walt Disney World Resort. It includes 39.606 square miles within the outer limits of Orange and Osceola counties in Florida. It acts as the same authority and responsibility as a county government. That includes the cities of, and yes, they did make this up, Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista and the unincorporated Reedy Creek Improvement District lands. So basically, it's the size of Manhattan. That's a huge... (laughs) If I remember right, Lake Buena Vista originally was called Reedy Creek in the... Changed it to like one of us. Yeah, stuff. we're getting we're getting to oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we're getting to that. <laughs> so, oops. No, no, no. That's okay. You're reading ahead. Number eight. So, why? So, you see, this is what I'm trying to do. You know, people look at the who, what, when, where, why of it all. Mm-hmm. So, so we know the who. Yeah, and we know the what. But now, why? Why was this created specifically, Kristen? Uh, The district was created in 1967 after the Florida government passed the Reedy Creek Improvement Act. The law was pushed by Walt Disney and his namesake media company both before and after Walt's death in 1966 during the planning stages of Walt Disney World. Because of incidents that occurred over many years, the district has been criticized for acting in the interest of Disney instead of the public. Wow. The district has the authority of a governmental body, but it is not subjected to the constraints of a government body. A major selling point in the lobbying for the Florida government uh, to establish the district was Walt's proposal for Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, which was a real planned community intended to serve as a test bed for new city living interventions. So the company, however, decided to abandon Walt's concept, which now we know as the current Epcot. Uh, And in April of 2022, that's right now, The Florida legislation passed a law abolishing the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Uh, Critics are claiming the action uh, from Disney's opposition to the Parental Rights in Education Act. The law takes effect in June of 2023, at which time uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District would be dissolved. It still needs to go to the House. Yes. Um, There's a bunch of things that need to happen in order for the district to be abolished. I don't know if we're going to get there. Who knows? There's a lot of implications on tax structures and different things that could definitely affect not only the Walt Disney Company shareholders, but also the local residents. So there's a lot of things in play here. But the bottom line is, is that it was created because Disney wanted to create an actual city, an actual city, which leads me to this number seven the two cities the improvement district in cities you know walt disney knew that his plans for the land would be easier to carry out with more independence no one's going to tell uncle walt what to do yeah. among his ideas for the florida project with his proposed epcot as Kristen said the experimental prototype community of tomorrow which was supposed to be that futuristic and planned city called progress city He envisioned that real working city with both commercial and residential areas, but also one that continued to showcase and test bed all the new ideas and concepts for urban living, being the, of course, the city of tomorrow. Therefore, the Disney Company petitioned the Florida State Legislation for the creation of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which would have almost total autonomy within its borders, a self-governing 
you know, the state, basically. The residents of Orange and Osceola counties didn't need to pay taxes unless they were residents of the district. Services like land use regulation, planning, building codes, water surface control, drainage, waste management, utilities, roads, bridges, fire protection, emergency services, environmental services were overseen by the district. So if Disney wanted to do something, they'd go down the road basically and say, hey, Reedy Creek, we want to do this. And Reedy Creek, of course, composed of members that were also Disney employees would say, oh, sure, let's do it. So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> Let's just go ahead and it's do like it. It's like you're approving your it's own. Like you're plans. approving your own plans, yeah. right? So the the only di- areas where the district had to submit to the county and state would be property taxes and elevator inspections. The planned Epcot City was also emphasized in this lobbying effort. So, and this was. I uh, wonder, yeah. if it had gone about because the one thing Disney does not have it has fire department and emergency services, but it does not have. A police force. Ah, but they were planning to do that. That's what I'm saying. They were planning to do it. So we'll, I think we'll get to it, I think, um, in this in this talk. But they never ended up doing the law enforcement bit. But anyway, on um, May 12th of 1967, Governor Claude R. Kirk Jr. signed the Reedy Creek Improvement Act, adding the following Florida statuses to implement Disney's plans. The Reedy Tr- Creek Improvement District, the City of Bay Lake, and the city of Reedy Creek later renamed the city of Lake Buena Vista around 1970. According to the press conference held in Winter Park, Florida on February 2nd, 1967, Disney Vice President Don Tatum, the improvement district and cities were created to serve, quote, the needs of those residing there because the Disney company needed its own government to, quote, clarify the district's authority to provide services within the district's limits, end quote. And, Because of the public nature of the plan development, the original city boundaries did not cover the whole improvement district. There may be intended areas where communities would be built for residential use. So, speaking of residential use, of course, this all, I'll try to tie this together for a nice segue. Number six. Let's talk about some of the further development because in 1993, they ended up doing celebration. So talk about it, Kristen. So that was built with many of Walt Disney's original ideas that had evolved into the form of new urbanism. Uh, It was de-annexed from Bay Lake and the district. This was done to keep its residents from having power over Disney by providing for separate administration of the areas. Celebration lies on unincorporated land within Osceola County thin strip of still incorporated land separates it from the rest of the county. The strip of land contains canals and other land used by the district. The Reedy Creek Improvement Act was held by the Supreme Court of Florida not to violate any provisions of the Constitution of Florida. As the law in part declares that the district is exempt from all state land use regulation laws now or thereafter enacted. The Attorney General of Florida has issued an opinion stating that this includes state requirements for developments of regional impact. So after Walt died in 1966, the Disney Company Board decided that it did not want to be in the business of running a city and abandoned many of the ideas for Progress City. The planned residential areas were never built, most notably Richard Fogelsong argues in his book, Married to the Mouse, Walt Disney World and Orlando, that Disney has abused its powers by remaining in complete control of the district. In January of 1990, the Reedy Creek Improvement District was granted a $57 million allocation of tax-free state bonds over an agency with plans for low-income housing development and all additional government applicants in a six-county region. As the state uh, distributed the bond proceeds on a first-come order, Disney was criticized for the move. With Republican um, candidate filing a lawsuit to stop Reedy Creek uh, Improvement development from using the funds also one state legislature legislator sorry moved to the limit to limit their ability to apply for the program Mm -hmm. so basically 
they didn't want anyone living within the district to have any type of say as to voting against what Disney's wishes were. Yes. And yeah. So if they couldn't have control of it, they're going to de-annex it. So they de-annex Celebration before it went into production. And they also de-annex Golden Oak. So even though you're supposed to be living within the walls of Disney, technically you're not on Disney. You're, it's uh, definitely not on Disney property. So I think it's uh, important. It's because Disney can't control people. That's right. That's right. And as a corporation, they want to have complete control. Absolutely. Yeah. They want to be able to control that. So they, yep, there you go. That's what I said. Disney didn't want to have residents controlling what they did to their land. Because what happens if uh, someone that lives on as part of the board of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, I think they have you know five, seven members on the board that are Disney employees. If one of them decided to vote against what Disney was doing, they would be terminated. Um, and then their, you know, their home and everything they, is they, gone. They, they'd be, you know, they'd buy it out and then have someone else that would want to do what they wanted to do, you know? So there you go. So let's take a look back. Let's take a look back. Number five. At Walt Disney World's Buena Vista Land Company. I think it's a really cool thing to kind of take a look at what they decided to do because the land company, let me uh, call this up. Um, when Walt Disney opened its gates in 71, the entire vacation kingdom utilized 2,500 acres of the total 27,500 acre site owned by the Disney company in Florida. So the 40 squ- uh, 43 square miles of land represented a substantial opportunity for the company to develop and enhance the lives of those that would be working and living there. And what they decided to do is create the Buena Vista land company. Um, And what they did was it was a desire for Disney to surround its destination vacation resort with a compatible quality environment. This would be designed to project the unique atmosphere of Walt Disney world, enhance the lives of those who'd be living at Epcot city and to achieve it, they had a fully owned subsidiary that had the long-range task of planning and managing those properties within the vacation kingdom, as was in, intended when it uh, launched in 1972. Ultimately, this was to include the development of the Walt Disney uh, concept for the prototype community of tomorrow, as Kristen said, Epcot, Epcot tomorrow, or Futureland, uh, Tomorrowland, <laughs> the city of tomorrow. Um, and then also the other things that it was supposed to put together, which was to build golf courses, which are still there to this day. Uh, they were also going to be developing the, uh, different housing structures for over 20,000 residents over a total of 4,000 acres, which was really cool. So they had that, uh, Buena Vita Vista club, the semi-private club was to serve as uh, uh, to serve as residents for the greater Orlando area. They have um, all kinds of residences and pools and such. Uh, you also have the 18-hole uh, golf course, which, of course, is still there. And then you would also have secondary homes uh, and a shopping district planned as well, which eventually went into downtown Disney and now is known as Disney Springs. So even though the city wasn't made the stuff surrounding the city and the different, um, I guess the different vacation homes and things of that nature were also put in there as well. Uh, it's really quite interesting to see what kind of progress they would have made around, uh, around that. They even talked about having the police force as well, but of course it never fully developed because only vacationers, are there really. So there was no need for, for that. Um, they opted to lease a bunch of these kind of, uh, homes to corporations that would ultimately use them for re- uh, retreats and different kind of meetings and things like that. But, uh, you know, there you go. It ended up uh, becoming part of what is it? The uh, Saratoga Springs. So there you have it, you know, 
the townhomes. Interesting. Yeah. So it's still there, kind of. <laughs> it's kind of still there. Uh, Just in a little bit different. Different form. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here we are with oops, number four. The master plan for Epcot. So there wow. you go. Wanna you wanna take a take a chunk out of that? Uh, it was devised a way to make full use of Florida's property with Epcot as its central attraction. All guests would enter and leave Disney World in the same general area. Arriving by car or arriving through the Disney World airport in the southern part of the property, guests would be shuttled by monorail to the Disney World Welcome Center. There, guests would then be welcomed by Disney hosts and hostesses able to speak to their guests in their language. After every aspect of their stay had been planned, guests would then reboard the monorail to Epcot. Before arriving in Epcot, guests would have an opportunity to visit Epcot's Industrial Park. This is where Disney World's core concept would come to fruition. The park's offices and laboratories would be occupied by major American corporations who would use the facilities to develop new technology for the use in the Epcot City. Guests of Disney World would be allowed to go on tours of the facility to see how it all worked. Walt Disney hoped that this would stimulate people to return to their own communities and encourage technological growth where they live. Isn't that cool? Yes. I mean, it's the the, the whole plan of Reedy Creek and developing this for people to live and for businesses uh, uh, to invest in technology, not only to the benefit their company, but for Epcot to kind of be the test bed for all the new technology to make life easier. On paper sounds amazing, but in reality was super difficult to wrangle up. And now of course, these days you see that Disney is being a huge company itself doesn't necessarily have to have sponsors for their attractions because they're viewed as being the biggest entity known to man so why do they need any sponsors for anything it's your stuff you're making money off it just go ahead and do it and so you know the corporate the companies in cooperation with each other to build a bigger brighter tomorrow i think was a great idea but in doing so and things change and move and and, and grow a you didn't want the residents to have a say you wanted us to live the disney way which is almost very cult-like i just wanted to say that <laughs> this is very almost very cult-like but um but it's a great idea to live that disney life i think everybody that listens to this show would love to live closer to the parks if they don't already and then having all this this cool future technology integrated into a way that you work and live i think would be great too um you know living there would be a premium but as you can see they've had so many difficulties in the past with celebration and de-annexing that and, and de-annexing Golden Oak that um Well it's, it's, was it's working difficult. towards a great big beautiful tomorrow. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. Number three. So one of the things uh, as a law enforcement part didn't quite make it. I think it's important to talk about the Reedy Creek Fire and Rescue. Right. So the Reedy Creek Fire and Rescue Department was established in 68 to provide fire prevention and fire protection to the district. Basic ambulance services starting in 1971, followed by advanced life support services in 1976. The Reedy Creek Fire Department maintains four fire stations located throughout the district and provides fire rescue and emergency services for the citizens and visitors of Bay Lake and the city of Lake Buena Vista. And you can, I love how their different fire departments have different looks to them. You've got the, the one that looks like the big farmhouse and you got one that looks like a, uh, like a little, um, it has the uh, spots like Dalmatian on it, spots yeah. and the Al's barn and stuff. So it's pretty cool how they do that. So the, uh, Reedy Creek fire department provides nine one one communications Operations providing life support or ALS emergency services and EMS service and fire rescue services. Fire prevention with life and safety inspections are coordinated throughout the office of the fire marshal. And emergency management, which uh, 
coordinates the emergency service and preparedness of both the fire department and the cities for Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista. And it's a really cool group of people. You know, I, I, I look at that and I say, wow, that's awesome to be working and, 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 and kind of, you know, residing in this whole kind of two city ecosystem that they have for Reedy Creek. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I do like that. So be on the lookout for that if you're driving around property. All right. Number two. Here's something, Kristen, that I know that our friend Tony Casanova <laughs> from Disney by the Numbers and Disney Pox Podcast would love to talk about, which are? It is Reedy Creek Improvement District by the Numbers. Want to rattle off some of these numbers? Sure. 134 miles of roadway and 67 miles of waterway built and maintained. Has 250,000 daily guests. There's a six to eight minute response time for fire and EMS. 60,000 tons of waste managed. Yuck. (laughs) 30 tons of aluminum, paper, steel cans, cardboard, and plastic containers recycled every year. 22,800 water samples collected by the Reedy Creek uh, Improvement District scientists from 1,500 locations on the property for testing every year. 90,000 analysts can, uh, uh, analysis, analysis. Ugh, I'm having problems saying that word, conducted <sighs> to make sure that the water quality meets or exceeds the state and national standards. Water draining from the south end of the district is generally cleaner than when it entered Reedy Creek uh, at its north end. There you go. 2,000 vendors, suppliers, and contractors used to provide a high level of public services for visitors. There you go. That's a lot of stuff. They are improving. That is the truth. Reedy Creek improves the district, and the numbers are there to support it. So congratulations. Hey, we're at... Number one. A lot of people don't know exactly who designed Epcot and even though this is on the the verge the outer rim of the whole Reedy Creek discussion I think it's worth mentioning because Reedy Creek Improvement District was created to allow for the vision of Epcot to actually happen so Disney had the support of elite close-knit community known as the Imagineers which included among others illustrator Herbert Ryman designer John Hinch Transport specialist Bob Gurr. Okay, a lot of those guys have been on our shows before. Um, And the set designer Harper Goff and architect George Rester. Other key figure is Marty Scalar, who joined Disney's marketing department in the 50s. During intense meetings and a circular design was created with concentric rings that accommodated businesses, the hubs, if you will, uh, accommodating businesses, homes, apartment, green spaces. The design shows a center protected by a dome and crowned by an enormous skyscraper. Also, some less extravagant ideas such as transport with surface level in uh, surface level monorails and tunnels for food and traffic were also there. It was all materialized in a presentation drawn up in 1966 for legislators, the projection of which is the impeccable Disney uh, with the idealistic vision came crashing down has been the case with uh, some of these uh, uh, projects, unfortunately, it wasn't going to be easy, and of course, uh, it lost all momentum when uh, Disney, uh, Walt died, and and Roy died. So, and that and that's a shame. But you can still see. Where can you see that model? Do you remember where you can see that model of 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 Epcot there, over at Walt Disney World Resort? Didn't that used to be in uh, One Man's Dream over there? I think they had that, um, but I know that uh, right now you can still see that aboard the Tomorrowland uh, People Mover. Oh, right, yeah. And you can see the 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 future, um, the Epcot City of the Future. So pretty cool indeed, with all those great ideas. Well, gang, that pretty much wraps up everything we have for you regarding the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Wasn't that fun? Isn't it just a little fun stroll, edu- edutainment, if you will? Was it edutainmently? It was it was it educational and entertaining. I would say so. Was it part of inter- entertainment, edutainment? Well, I hope so. 
Thank you so much for tuning into the show, gang. We do appreciate it. Another awesome edition of the Disney List. You can find us on all of these social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And don't forget to send us those emails at thedisneylist at gmail.com. We'd love for you to check out, of course, Source Radio at srsounds.com. Our tip jars there. We also have a tip jar there at anchor.fm, the home of the Disney List, where you can support our show monthly for as little as $9.99 a month, right? Cheaper than a cup of Starbucks coffee that you can buy at Connections Cafe and Eatery. cheaper than a pack of gum. Cheaper than a pack of gum that you can't buy at the Walt Disney World Resort. That's true. True story, folks. And uh, also... You can check out the entire show archive of all of our great shows from the past there at anchor.fm forward slash the Disney list. Yes, Kristen. I was going to say you can't even go to the Dollar Tree for 99 cents anymore. No, no. Dollar 25 tree is what it is now. Yep. Dollar point 25. Inflation. Ain't it a bummer? <laughs> yeah, you can contact Al John. Me, I'm, I'm Al John. I'm talking to myself in the third person. Uh, Al John Go on Instagram. You can also follow our sister show, Skull Rock Podcast, wherever you get podcasts with me and Dave Bossert. We always interview people to give you behind the scenes on some of your favorite Disney films, animation, of course, on what's streaming on Disney Plus and other services as well. We are a pop culture show. Check out Skull Rock Podcast with me and award-winning author Dave Bossert, Disney, former Disney creative. And uh, Kristen, where can people reach you? You can check me out at diningatdisney.com. You can check out the Dining at Disney podcast that I host with Bubba and Kat, who are both out on the West Coast. Uh, And that we do two podcasts a week, so you can check those out. Make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, We like to post lots of stuff on like Facebook and Instagram, so you definitely want to to follow and like us there. If you are looking for information on travel, whether it's Disney, Universal, or your favorite cruise line, you can reach me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com for your free quote and to book your wonderful vacation. Thank you very much. I'd also like to send a shout out to Diz Avenue uh, the Disney Wiki, as well as our friend Midway to Main Street, Rob Plays. You're awesome. Love all the content to help put the facts of this show together, as well as the website for the Reedy Creek <laughs> Improvement District. We got to get our facts. You know what I'm saying? We got to get our facts. It's all and of about course, facts. also tomorrowcity.com. We do appreciate it. On behalf of myself, I'm Al John. And I'm Kristen. And, and we'll, we'll see you real, real soon. soon. Information and opinions expressed in this podcast are for entertainment and informational purposes. All other trademarks mentioned are the property of their respective owners. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast, as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast. Here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, Al John Goh and Dave Bossert. Do you just love to learn more about the magic that embodies animated films, theme park attractions, and more? The all-encompassing universe created and produced by the genius of Walt Disney has spanned nearly 100 years and counting. From his earliest film endeavors with the Laughogram cartoons and the Alice comedies, to the creation of Mickey Mouse, to the first animated feature film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and then dreaming up Disneyland, Walt Disney continuously raised the creative bar, and today his company has carried on that tradition as a global entertainment juggernaut. I'm Dave Bossert, artist, filmmaker, and author. 
And I'm Al Jongo, musician, podcaster, and radio guy. Every week, Dave and I will explore the entertainment galaxy that is Disney with insightful conversation, stories, and special guests talking all things Disney. Listen to never-before-heard stories and behind-the-scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and so much more from knowledgeable, insightful, and thought-provoking hosts and guests. Hear the latest news about Disney past, present, and future. Skull Rock Podcast is your go-to source for the magic we all love. Skull Rock Podcast. Visit SkullRockPodcast.com.